Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode. Today I'm talking to Nils Vinya, founder of 30 Day Leadership and the B2B Leaders Academy which provide the tools for becoming a better leader through its development program. Niels is also the author of the 30-Day Leadership Playbook, which looks at ways of simplifying your leadership approach, as well as providing proven strategies and principles for great leadership. I think this episode really follows on nicely from last week's, where we spoke to Chris Croft on that subject of bad bosses. That is a great episode, and if you haven't listened to it already, go back and listen to that episode. One of the main things to come out of the conversation with Chris was how troublesome it is that people get promoted to positions of leadership with hardly any training to go along with it. As you can imagine, this can cause huge issues within an organisation and certainly the assumption that one can learn how to manage and lead through simply doing is a hazardous one. So amongst other things in this podcast, Nils and I discuss his four pillars of leadership, how to take more control of your time, and the crucial role self-knowledge plays in great leadership. I hope you enjoy the episode. Niels, welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you so much, Warren. Excited to be here with you. Yeah, it's great to have you on the podcast. I'm really looking forward to hear more about your book and the program, The 30 Day Leadership, but also find out a bit more about Glide Consulting and all that you do. So this is going to be a discussion for our listeners all about, you know, leadership and what it means and some of the principles that you've developed and followed and help coach others in. So I suppose I should kick off to give our listeners a bit of a background to you. So really, perhaps I should just pose that question in your early career, um, before you became the consultant you are now and doing the things you're doing now, what were some of the things that perhaps you personally experienced or witnessed that motivated you to become a leadership coach? <laughs> it's, the, the list is long. And <laughs> it's endless. We've all got those endless lists. The <laughs> well, good, it, the bad, and the mad, haven't we? It yeah. was. It was. So in the, you know, I've worked with inside of technology companies, typically B2B, uh, SaaS since it's been SaaS software, just enterprise software before that. So always technology companies um, throughout my entire career. And in the early first 10 years of my career, I had no idea where I fit in the professional world. And I bounced around from doing everything from being a software engineer, which I was terrible at, to being a Xerox sales rep. I actually went door to door selling copiers. Like it was, I tried- Knocking I on the doors. <laughs> I did, I did, I literally did. And, and being a 
copier salesperson is one of the most interesting experiences uh, you'll ever go See, through. I had a part-time job selling burglar alarms and security systems door to door. You know what you know yeah, I didn't last very long in that role. Let's just say that. That's a whole it's other hard graft. <laughs> um so the the experiences that I had in those early, you know, first 10 years or so, bounced around to lots of different departments was that the managers and the leaders that I worked for, I struggled with a lot. Like I I just honestly um, felt like I was always getting the short end of the stick. I never quite understood what was going on. And I was just constantly frustrated. Uh, and so at, at one point I got so frustrated with not knowing where I fit that I went back to grad school and I actually got an MBA in management and organizational behavior. And it was at that moment when I realized that this entire field of management and leadership has existed for a long time and there's mm. tons of education about it, but the people I worked for inside these companies had no idea that it even existed. Mm. And that was a turning point for me because I was like, ha, huh, hold on. <laughs> I got to go bring, when I graduated from grad school, first thing I said was I got to bring great leadership back to tech companies. Like it just, my experiences and the people I worked for, it just, just didn't really happen. So that was the starting point where light bulbs started to come on for me in understanding how the world worked from a leadership perspective. And yeah. that was really, really a massive turning point in my career. Yeah. And it's quite interesting what you say there, isn't it? Because there is so much, I suppose, and it's not academic, it's, it's real world experience that people have documented into books and some principles, but they've been around for a long time, isn't there? There's not a lot that's necessarily new and there doesn't need to be a lot that's new. No. It's, it's getting people to understand some of those principles. The foundational stuff is where it's at, right? And yeah. as a leadership coach, I still only focus on really foundational things because if you do the foundational things right, it takes care of 95 plus percent of all the stuff that's going to happen. And that's wonderful, right? And it's so powerful. I mean, the things I was learning in in the in the MBA program, they were not, you know, revolutionary by any means. They've been around for a long time. They just were never known inside the organizations that I was with. Yeah. And as soon as I learned them, I was like, oh my gosh, I see the world in a completely different way. I approach the work with my teams in a completely different way. When I became a people leader after that, um, I approached everything I did with them in a completely different way, simply because I had that foundation and had an, a much, much stronger platform to build on top of than what I had experienced personally before. Brilliant. And why do you think so many businesses and organizations don't train their team members in leadership and management and, and give them the skills? So I think it comes down to one word and that's busy. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly think everybody's just too quote unquote busy to do the things that need to really be done. Right. And this is a, a problem that's pervasive, not just in the B2B world, but it exists in most other uh, disciplines and, and um, areas of, of study as well. What happens is everybody is really focused on com the company's success, of course, right? And especially in a B2B tech company where, you know, if it's fast growing, there's a lot going on. Even if it's just maintaining, there's still a lot going on. Customers to serve, new products to build, um, conferences to hold, all this other stuff. So we promote from within because we want to grow and expand and we want the knowledge and expertise from our internal uh, resources to you know, rise up within the org. But then we expect them to just kind of figure it out or- They kind of morph into it, yeah. Exactly. And, and oh, it'll just take time. Or 
Uh, my, one of my favorites is go find yourself a mentor. Like as, uh, sadly, one of the worst pieces of advice is out there because it just doesn't serve the individual. It's almost like passing the buck. Like I don't have time to do this and to take a more concerted and structured approach with you. Therefore, go find somebody else and waste their time, right? And it, not to say that mentorship is a waste of time, but the way in which people use it as a scapegoat to avoid going through kind of, you know, either employing or engaging in some kind of disciplined approach to leadership, I think that's a problem and that and it happens all the time. So I think it's the fact that people are too busy, right? And yeah. when you take a step back, anytime you are quote unquote busy, right? As soon as you have clarity, the world becomes less busy. Like I operate inside of a world where I run two companies today and am I busy? Sure. Do I feel like I never have enough time in the day? Nope, because <laughs> yeah. I know exactly what's important and exactly what to focus on and exactly how, what I need to push on to move myself and my businesses and my clients forward. I have that clarity. Not everybody else takes the time and a little bit of step back to get that. And I think that's where they get so caught up and why it's kind of uh, kicked to the side and for lack of a better term um, from a leadership development perspective. And do you think one of the, strong things that need to be implemented then is about vision and focus is that where it starts i mean you you've also got your own four pillars of leadership you talk yeah. about so yep. maybe you should touch on those because that is core principles that yeah. you you know would say everybody needs to follow isn't it Nils? yep 100 percent. And, and pillar number one is called leading yourself because it all yeah. starts with you if you don't lead yourself it is really difficult to lead other people <laughs> that's pillar number two leading others, right? And then we go into pillar number three, which is leading with communication, which is how to communicate your value and your team's value beyond your team. And pillar number four is leading with metrics, which kind of ties everything together. So from a foundational perspective, I believe it starts with you, right? And then I believe it goes to you and your team. And then I believe the it has to get broader and your, your you know, presence has to be bigger and that's where the communication piece and then the metrics tie it all together. Those are the four. We can dig in into any one of those if you want to go down yeah. the path. But that's that's my foundation. That's the what I found after 10 years of being a leadership coach, going through an MBA management organizational behavior, spending thousands of hours one on one working with clients and just understanding what really moves the needle. That's the only thing I'm interested in. I don't care about theory at this point. I don't care about hypotheses. I just want and use tools to empower leaders to comfortably handle any situation. And they happen to fall into one of those four pillars because most all leadership challenges in my view can be applied or can be addressed via tools in one of those four. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think the one I would do would like to explore one and that's leading yourself. Cause I think a lot of leadership coaches talk about leading others. Yep. A lot of will talk about making sure you're a strong communicator and communicating yep. a vision on all of that and sharing that vision and obviously the metrics piece and you know getting information rather than data and understanding the direction of travel is great but the one that stood out for me was that leading yourself yeah. piece so maybe we should explore that in a bit more detail and what you really mean about leading yourself yeah there's three key areas that i look at when it comes to leading yourself number one bulletproof your leadership psychology right there's a lot of psychology when it comes to leadership, and if the psychology isn't right, you can have the greatest tools and tactics, but the change just isn't going to last. And okay. leadership, as you, I'm sure you would agree with me, Warren, is a long-term game. 
And in order yeah. to be in the game for the long term to win the game, you got to have the right psychology and know why you're doing this, know who you are as an individual, who you are as a leader, and have some tools that support you in building your confidence and destroying any of the possibility of imposter syndrome is usually the most likely culprit. Yeah. And is that also about you're developing your own style? Because there's a lot of people out there, aren't there, in the leadership world and that perhaps are either at the rah-rah end or they're at the yeah. kind of, you know, stand there, stamp your feet kind of end. And and you know, and some are very more conducive and, and kind of willing and wanting to bring their team through with you. But we've one of the things I've learned on my journey is that you develop your style of leadership. Yes. Over yeah. time. And Absolutely. it's individual. It, 100% individual. 100% individual. That's why the, the tools that I teach are universally applicable but they are adaptable to the individual so there is no one i don't teach this is your style here's how you have to do it or this is what leadership is is how you do it but here is a tool and i'm going to take you through some exercises to take this tool and adapt it and transform it to your unique and specific situation and your unique and specific personality so that i can help empower you with this incredible tool but in a way that is customized to you that's the only way to for you. Yeah. Right, right. There's no universal, here it is on a silver platter, just yeah. take it and go. It's like, no, these are tools. And then we're going to work together and I can help you adapt them to your situation. And that I found to be the most you know, impactful piece. And at various points in times, I probably went one extreme or the other on that, being a little bit too prescriptive and a little bit not prescriptive enough. But this mm -hmm. middle balance of saying, all right, I've got these incredible tools. I know they work. You've got this incredible situation that you're in and your personality and who you are and your background. Let's combine those two and let's make a custom solution that ultimately will empower you then to go out and handle these challenging, whatever the situation is. Yeah, and, but that's interesting, isn't it? Because that leads into the authenticity and we've sort of gone off at a tangent, but you know, there's a lot said about being authentic in business and in your leadership styles. And I, I suppose that's what you're saying there, isn't it? You do that psychology piece is actually you know, being authentic. Is that's that right. right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's why it starts with you. That's why this is pillar number one. Right? Yeah. You know, you can jump around to other pillars. That's totally fine. But this is the the foundation of foundation. <laughs> this is the yeah. very beginning of the rebar being laid before the concrete gets poured in over it. Right. And from a building metaphor perspective, it is it it is there when it is there, the light bulbs go off and the the lens with which you look at the leadership world with you, how you look at your work, how you look at your work with others, with other teams, with other executives, with other companies completely changes because now you see things from this empowerment perspective versus the most common situation is people see things from a comparison perspective. When they're in a leadership mm -hmm. position, they compare themselves to another leader, perhaps in their organization or perhaps in the industry or perhaps somewhere else. And that gets to the root cause of a lack of confidence, which then breeds imposter syndrome. And many leaders, myself included, have mm -hmm. absolutely 100% struggled with that and still do from time to time. But it's the tools that I come back to that help me address it and help me deal with it to the point where it's no longer debilitating, where it was at one point in time in my career. And is there anything else that fits within that kind of leading yourself piece? You know, we talked yes. about the psychology piece. and So if we nail the psychology, there's a couple yeah. other key areas that are 100% within your control. And that's, you know, everything under the leading yourself piece is all about things that you 100% control. As soon as we get into the team and other things, other areas, 
there's a lot that comes into it that's out of your control. But when we're in leading yourself, everything's 100% within your control. So the second key area is called master your time. And time and how you use it is one of the most important decisions that you are going to make as a leader. Um, and the challenge is, like we were talking about before, of why companies don't do leadership development and why they don't have a structured approach is that people are busy. And the first thing that goes out the window when people get busy is any kind of planning, any kind of you know re research, any kind of just setting the stage for what you're going to do. So the master your time piece, again, is about providing tools that are proven, that work, but then are adapted to your situation because not everybody's environment is the same. Not every culture is the same. That's fine. But the tools or the at least the principle of the tool and how we use it absolutely 100% applies. And we might need to adjust things here and there, but that gives tremendous amounts of um, you know, progress in a very short period of time. Some of my members of the B2B Leaders Academy who have gone through this particular um, uh, playbook around mastering your time have you know, recorded saving five hours a week, saving eight hours a week, saving 10 hours a week, just from making these small tweaks based on the tools and integrating them into their day-to-day -day life. So they've been able to take time back, which then they were able to put into much more strategic areas and much more valuable activities, whether that was working on other projects, whether that was spending more time with their team, whatever they chose to do, but it was at their choice and at their discretion. So I'm going to have to ask, give us some hints and tips around mastering your time, please. You know, okay, I got, I, I, I'll give you the one single most important one. And you, you can save... Like I was just saying, some of my members of the B2B Leaders Academy saving five hours a week, eight hours a week, 10 hours a week. It all starts with answering one single question. And that question is this, who is in control of your time? And there are only two answers, Warren. Answer number one is you are in control of your time. And answer number two is that your environment is in control of your time. And when I say environment here, what I mean is, your emails, your requests for from other bosses, your team, your clients, your executives, your board, whatever the outside parties are, not you. Okay. So yeah. if the answer is the latter, then you like there is absolutely no change will ever happen. If you say you've lost the battle. You've lost the battle before it even started. My yeah. environment is in control of me. Therefore, it's kind of like abdicating responsibility a little bit. I just work in such an intense environment. I've worked in some crazy startups, <laughs> like some of those intense environments. I know what that's like, right? And however, when you make the switch and you make the decision that I am in control of my time, then everything changes. You are the single person, only one who can make the call on what's right for you to spend your time on to contribute at the highest level to you, to your customers, to your team, to your company, you're in control. But in most times, in most organizations, in most teams, in most you know chaos of on-demand on world that we live in today, most people give up that control to the environment and then they suffer as a result and struggle with keeping up. So how do you make the switch then? Because I get that as a philosophy, you know, I get mm -hmm. that as a principle, I get that it's the, you know, if it's the environment that dictates your time, you're never going to control it, yeah. it's going to dictate you. But how can people make the switch? Because I'm sure a lot of our listeners are there going, wow, my environment controls my time. It literally starts with the decision right there. Not just okay. before you ever even contemplate like all the things that you're going to do to support this. It's a, it's a psychological choice. 
And it's literally claiming out loud, I am in control of my time. And when the next uh, meeting request comes across your inbox and it has no agenda and you have no clue what the purpose of it is, aside from vaguely knowing who the person is that sent you that meeting request, you ask yourself the question, <laughs> I am in control of my time. Is yeah. this the best use of my time, right? And so it starts with as simple as that, as simple as making that statement, standing behind that statement and claiming it and saying, I am in control of my time, right? The more you believe that, then you open yourself up to take advantage of all these other tools that are possible, which we won't have time to go into today, but are, are within the B2B Leaders Academy and what I work with people on. Uh, but that decision has to be made first. And I tell them in, in the program as well, I say, if you do not make this decision, disregard all of the tools. They will not yeah. help you at all. It's just not going to work. And I've seen it in clients one-on-one -on -one I've worked with over the past 10 years where those who made the decision very clearly and they went to town and they saved the time. Those who didn't struggled and they thought it was cool and interesting. They even did some of the tactics for a week or a couple of weeks or a month. Then change never lasted, right? So in everything, I think all things leadership and everything I teach, there's a psychology component. There's a tactics component. And if you have the right psychology, but you don't have the right tactics, you're going to be really excited, but you're not going to make a lot of progress. Yeah. If you don't have the right psychology, but you do have the right tactics, change won't last. So when you have the right psychology and the right tactics, then we can have long lasting change, whether it's mastering your time, bulletproofing your leadership psychology, or any of the other topics like we were talking about today. Fantastic. So listeners, a new mantra there. I am in control of my time. That's it. I'm the only Starts one who can make the call. It's yeah. my choice. And if I, and the interesting thing to kind of turn this around is that even if someone answers that my environment is in control, guess what? You still made the choice that your environment was in control. <laughs> so technically yeah. you were in, in making the choice. It just wasn't the right one. So now you have an opportunity to look at that and say, well, has that served me well? Does yeah. what I'm doing today by letting my environment control me, does that serve me well? If it does, by all means, go to town, keep doing what you're doing. If it does not, and you're frustrated by the fact that you cannot get done everything you want to get done, or you struggle with the fact that you are having to put in nights and weekends when you would much rather be spending that time with your family or your friends or doing whatever it is you want to do, then make a different choice. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. So we've sort of explored that kind of your four pillars of leadership. I want to just talk through some sort of things and more topical things that are perhaps out there at the moment. I know you're based in Phoenix in the US. We talked about the weather before we hit record and it's, it sounds glorious over there compared to the UK, although it's spring here, so it's getting a bit warmer already. <laughs> um, but one of the things that clearly that's happening post pandemic in the UK, and I'm sure it's the same in the US, is this kind of increasing shift towards hybrid and remote working. Yes. Um, so how do you think that perceptions and styles of leadership are changing and will need to change and adapt as a result of that, Niels? Absolutely. Yeah. Adaptation, I think, is the key word there. And I, the most important thing to remember from my perspective when we shifted into this remote world was that the foundations of great leadership remained the same. How you lead yourself, how you lead others, how you lead with communication, how you lead with, with metrics. Mm. Those principles do not change. What changed and is changing and constantly evolving is the application 
of those principles. So again, the principle remains the same and we're not completely overhauling the whole system just because we're remote, but we're just figuring out how do I communicate with my team effectively in a remote environment? And I will say that I often contrast the, the two in-person versus remote as the in-person is kind of the easy way out. And the remote is actually much more difficult, but far more beneficial to the team and to the company because it forces us to do things that we take for granted in the in-person environment. For example, in the in-person environment, it's very easy to just turn your chair around, have a brief conversation or catch someone in the hallway and make a decision on the spot with regards to something that affects perhaps you and the other person, but perhaps other people as well. And then, you know, at the next team gathering, when we all get together, just casually mention that we changed how we approach this particular thing or how we do this process or whatever. It's very, very easy. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why I call it the easy way out because you can just always have a short conversation and granted, there's a lot of value in that. However, yeah. In the remote world, you can't do that anymore. And so what it requires is a more systematic approach to how you communicate with your team, to how you get updates to your team, how you get updates from your team, how you go about um, communicating process changes, how you go about finding out how they're really doing. And it takes more effort. It is the same principles again, but it takes more time, effort and energy. But I believe that it is far more valuable because it is such a better running system because it's not dependent upon a casual ad hoc conversation. There is a system behind how you communicate updates and changes to your team. There's a system behind how you get updates from your team that can be much more um, routine and much more uh, just you know structured, I will say than if you were in an in-person environment because you just don't have to. And when most people are in an environment where they don't have to be structured, they're not going to be. That's interesting, isn't it? And I agree with that because you put systems processes in, it becomes more structured, it becomes more consistent. Yep. You, you know, you can lead, you know, consistently. I think the bit that might be missing, and I don't know how you would overcome that, there is that kind of, with your media line management, if you're the MD or the owner of a business, yep, then those casual conversations can be dangerous because you're not involving everybody. They are unstructured and yes. not everybody knows what's happening. But as a leader or owner of a business, sometimes those that visibility of being on the shop floor, just being seen and having those casual conversations are really valuable. Yep. And that stuff you can't really structure, can you? And does that, you know, do we miss out on those, I suppose, is my question. Miss out, yes, uh, on the casual conversations. However they can be orchestrated, right? If we wanted to orchestrate casual conversations, there's a lot of different ways we could go about doing that if we were the leader of the whole, the whole uh, company or the whole thing, right? These might be in small group lunches that you get to participate as the leader with a handful of people, gather, have lunch, or maybe just a, a casual conversation that's kind of a what's going on in your world today. Hmm. Again, it takes more effort because it's not just showing up and just happen to be walking by somebody's desk and, oh, how's it going, right? Yeah. It does take a little bit more effort to say, you know, these are the things that I feel like I'm not understanding or I don't know. And I would really love to get to know this group of people or this level of leaders within my organization, find out what's really on their mind and what's, what's working well, what they're struggling with. And hey, maybe once a month, I get a group of people who volunteer that want to have lunch and we just have lunch together yeah. over a remote setting. And I just ask the same questions I would do if I casually ran into them in the office. 
right? So same principle, getting that connection, but takes more effort, have to be scheduled, a little bit more structure involved, and but the end result can be exactly the same. Yeah, actually, you you reminded me, and I've got a note to self now. I've got to go and pick up on this because, you know, I suppose pre-pandemic we were even doing the structures. You know, we were even doing. I'll just, you know, I mean, you can do it virtually, but we are back in the real world as well now, which is fortunate. But you know, those casual, like, let's just get twelve of the team round the table yeah. with me. Just ask me anything, kind of yeah. session. We'll have a cup of coffee. We'll have some lunch. You know, and they that's were brilliant. A, and actually, yeah, we yeah. stopped doing them because of the pandemic, and we should do them again. So. Any go. of my team that are listening, right? We've got to get AMA. them back under the way. There we are. with Warren. Deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm also kind of interested in, and I think I know the answer to this, even just having spent 20 minutes with you or 25 minutes with you. But I personally believe that kindness and compassion are essential aspects of great leadership. However, there's also this perhaps perception that to be super successful perhaps even super successful, particularly in the corporate world, you have to be hard and ruthless. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those characteristics like kindness and, and compassion are perceived as being weak. Yep. Um, is that perception changing or how can it be changed? Or how does that, how does compassion and kindness fit within your program, Niels? Yeah, I I do agree that those are core, you know, great things, but there are also things that, um, while they're very important, are not necessarily at the top personality traits of every single person out there. And I recognize mm-hmm. that. Some people are built a little bit different. That's okay. Um, in an organization where the culture is built around that kind of environment, where it's a little bit more intense, very cutthroat, very just, you know, a little extreme, let's say, which there are a lot of organizations out there like that, that's going to fit a certain type of leader. And yeah. it is not going to fit a certain type of other leader. If you find yourself in that kind of a situation, you're not that type. It's probably going to be best to find another opportunity somewhere else that fits you better. So um, I think in certain sectors, that is pervasive across the board. And these are typically a lot of organizations have been around for a long time. They came from an enterprise in the B2B world, an enterprise software company mentality where it was sell at all costs and forget everything mm-hmm. else. And now in the SaaS world, what we're looking at is recurring revenue, which means that actually the sale, the first sale doesn't really mean that much. It's only 20 plus 20% of the entire customer's lifetime value. The other 80% of that customer's lifetime value comes long into the future. So those types of environments are beginning to shift and look completely differently from a leadership perspective, because we have to embody this much more collaborative nature that one group is not going to dominate the success of the organization. The entire organization is going to dominate the success of the organization. And that is not an environment that's terribly well conducive to the cutthroat, you know, super extreme versions of leadership. So I recognize that some people want to go down that path and are, and I hope they find their fit within that culture. But for everybody else, you know, I think ultimately it's up to you. It's your choice on how much you are going to, you know, envelop and develop and exercise not only compassion and empathy, but also emotional intelligence. I think that Mm. universally applicable across the board, Um, but excellent question. And, you know, it's fascinating the evolution in SaaS and where the leadership is going within SaaS because companies are having to fundamentally change from how they have operated in the past 50 years 
just because yeah. the culture today, the you know generations today, and the fact that we are serving customers in a completely different way than we ever have before is changing the game. Brilliant. Yeah, I get that. That transition of business styles and models is changing, isn't it? And that's what's making the change really happen and accentuating it. But there may be environments where that old style still exists and maybe it's right. And yeah. if you're in that environment and you're not that kind of individual person, then it's not going to change. Out, go and find the right fit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's one thing I've learned is that culture, I mean, very rarely fundamentally changes. So yeah. if you love the culture, stick with it. If you hate yeah. the culture, <laughs> find another opportunity because it's not going to change just for the simple fact that they're, you know, cultures, depending on the size and stage of company, come from the early founders, come from some of the earliest, you know, experiences that the core group had and are evolved over time. And that's why you see some of the biggest companies in the world struggle with completely rebranding and reinventing themselves. All the, you know, what Uber's gone through, what Facebook has gone through. Um, it is very, very difficult to completely upend a company culture um, because it's rooted in literally everything that you do. And that's how important it is to pay close attention to the culture that you are enabling, whether it supports you or whether it doesn't, that's going to be, you know, a question for you, but it's really, really important to look at. And this is going to be a big question. What does truly great leadership <laughs> look like for you? Mm. Truly great leadership for me looks like someone who knows 100% who they are. So from a leading yourself perspective, right? Um, knows, has a toolbox full of tools to lead their team, right? To handle the difficult conversations, to give feedback, to set expectations, to drive accountability, to coach their team, right? And a toolbox that expands beyond that to empower them to share their message and tell the story of the value of them and their team to people who have no idea what your team actually does. One of the hardest things to do is share your expertise to someone who has zero context, right? But there are, again, tools that help tremendously with this and break them down. And lastly, you know, a leader who understands how to use metrics to drive their team's performance. The most common, you know, challenge I see from a metrics perspective is the classic, hey, our sales numbers are down, you need to go fix it. Or our retention is too, uh, is, is off and or churn is too high, you need to go solve it. And it's leaving, you know, setting this big problem, we got a problem with this metric, go fix it. And then there's no gap in, there's no filling of the gap in between and the individuals are left sitting there saying, I don't really understand how what I do on a day-to-day -day basis has anything to do with this problem you just told me. So basically I lose trust in you because I feel like you don't have any idea what I do and therefore I'm going to be less engaged and less motivated to work here. Mm -hmm. So to me, great leadership is all about having a toolbox full of tools because each one of the situations is completely different. However, there are tools in each one of those that you can use, that you can pull on at different points in times and put into the mix and then feel empowered to handle any situation. That ultimately is my end goal with the clients that I work with is empowering them so that they could tackle virtually any leadership situation and always have a tool in the toolbox they could pull out and apply as long as they knew what it was. And is that in essence what your 30-day leadership playbook is all about? 
That's right. Yep. So I did write the book, the best-selling book, 30-Day Leadership Playbook, Your Guide to Becoming the Leader You Have Always Wanted to Be. And in it, I walked through the four pillars. And with each yeah. in, within each of those pillars, I walked through tools uh, for each of those pillars that you can put into practice today. And for your listeners, Warren, we got a free digital copy of the 30-Day of the Leadership Playbook. Just simply go to 330 dayleadership.com forward slash book. And you can drop your name and email in. I'll send you a copy immediately. And you can take a look and put, grab some of these tools um, and put them into action. The, the book, the 30-day leadership pieces, this has nothing to do with mastering leadership in 30 days. I want to be clear about that. Um, okay. I, do that I was a bit worried about that. <laughs> no, it, it, the, the play on the 30-day was that each of the chapters in the book is called a day. And okay. so... Over the course of 30 days, if you simply read one chapter each day, you'll know more about leadership than the vast majority of the working population. So yeah. I framed it and set it up that way. It's a very quick read. It's easy. People have done it in a very short amount of time. You don't have to take 30 days, but it is provides you know the framework, provides the foundation, and then provides some key tools in there and have various learning guides and resources and assets that are referenced from within there as well. So get a free digital copy take a look and um and walk through it and you know hopefully over the next 30 days if you choose to you know and go deeper on it you'll have different tools to put into action and feel what it's really like to be empowered with those tools to handle any situation fantastic and there's a really kind offer so thank you for giving our listeners the opportunity to download the digital copy of the book so where can i go for that digital download again just so in case anybody didn't have a pen and paper ready when you said it before. absolutely yes it's 330dayleadership.com forward slash book and you can get just enter your name and email in and i will send it to you right away perfect well, well, that's subject to resources and just as we start to wrap up are there any other books on leadership that you've been most influenced or moved by or resonate with you? Is there anything else you'd recommend people read other than your own great book? Okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, there are a couple that have been pivotal for me. Uh, one that kind of changed the game early on was when I read uh, Working with Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goleman. Uh, Daniel Goleman is the individual who, the researcher and PhD and speaker and author, he's the one who coined emotional intelligence. And I, when I read that book, I finally understood that it was not about how smart you were. It was about how effectively you can work with other people to get things done. And to be completely honest, I was not the smartest kid in school, but I always had great relationships and knew how to talk and connect with people. And I immediately just had a totally different outlook on life almost after reading that book because it brought to the surface how important it is, especially in now many, many years later after reading it, how interconnected our worlds are, right? Different countries, different continents, different cultures. And your ability to work effectively with somebody else is going to be key to your success, no matter what you do. Leadership, technical people leadership position or individual contributor does not matter. So the more emotional intelligence you bring to the table, the better off you will be. Highly, highly recommend that book. Um, you know, another one, there was a, what was it called? It was called The uh, Extraordinary Coach. So I'm a certified leadership coach, um, have been for the last 10 years. And this was a wonderful book that was written by a couple of other coaches. And they did a really nice job of blending the coaching world with the professional world. And that's where I focus too. My leadership coaching came in part, um, you know, going deep in a lot of different areas, the whole 120 hour program, 
very intensive. And what this book does is provide a really nice framework for just how do you think about coaching in a business context? And I, I, coaching is one of the most powerful tools I've ever had in my leadership toolbox. So highly recommend checking that out. The Extraordinary Coach, I can't remember the author's name right now, but I'll hit you with it afterwards. We can put it in the show notes. Yeah, um, as well. But those two have been absolutely fantastic, um, great resources over time. Brilliant. Thank you. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Obviously, Same. people know where they can get a copy of the book, but if they just want to find out more about you, Nils, where can they go? Yeah. Connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, for sure. Nils, N-I-L-S. Last name is Vinya, V as in Victor, I-N, J as in Job, E as in Edward. You can hit me with an email if you want to just um, drop me a line with where you are uh, one in the world and where you are from a leadership perspective. Maybe you're trying to get promoted. Maybe you want to save time. Maybe you want to inspire your team. Drop me a line at nils, N-I-L-S, at 330dayleadership.com. Would love to connect with you and have the opportunity to have a chat at some point, or perhaps just tell me what you took away from this conversation with Warren. Brilliant. Thank you. As I say, I've really enjoyed our conversation. I've obviously made a commitment verbally during the course of the podcast to get, get there and get engaged with my team and just have some conversations with them, some Q&As. Uh, I look forward so to hearing you. If nothing that. else has come out of our 40 minutes together, I've made a commitment that's going to you know, improve my own uh, business and leadership. And I hope some of the listeners, have, I'm sure they have, have some takeaways as well. So thank you for being a great guest. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.